0: Think the world with good design. On this episode of the Iowa Idea Podcast, I'm joined by Devin Green. Devin is a full-stack designer working in the space of brand design, digital design, and development. We talk about Devin's journey growing up in Detroit and Pontiac, Michigan, to moving to Iowa. Devin talks about his love of art, combined with his early exploration and experimentation of Photoshop and Linux, With a nudge and inspiration from his uncle, Devin turned his love of design and art into a business. We dig into Devin's early influences and mix it up on how we think about art and design. Devin turns the tables and asks me questions about art and design, and I really appreciate Devin's mission to, quote, paint the world with good design. A link to Devin's site is included in the show description. It was an absolute honor having Devin on the show. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Devin, thanks so much for joining me on the Iowa Idea podcast. It's a pleasure having you here. If you don't mind, for our guests, could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. So my name is Devin Green. I am uh, market myself as a full stack designer. And what I mean by that is I do graphic design, web design, and web development. Uh, I mainly focus on uh, web design, brand design. Uh, brand design is the biggest focus. Uh, web design is included with that. But for the most part, I like to design uh, brands from the ground up and give them a refresh, or us, or create brands from the ground up and give them something where they can have where it relates to the customer, or uh, clients, or anyone uh, around that uh, around those little uh, objects of branding and things like that. So yeah.
0: All right, and uh, how did you become uh, kind of interested in in? all of, you know, it might be one, right? It's a pretty broad when you think about full stack design, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot there, but uh, t- where did you become interested in uh, design or what, what specific component of the stack grabbed your interest?
1: So my interest in design started where, um, when I was little, actually, um, my mom, and I quote, tells me that I used to draw when I was like three. And ever since then, uh, it's just been something that has uh, been always piqued my interest. Uh, I love doing art for myself, and then I ended up love doing art for other people. Um, My uncle got me into design as a whole when he introduced me into the programs, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator, and told me to create something with those programs. So I ended up learning those programs. Adobe Photoshop is what I learned first. Then I got into uh, Adobe Illustrator, and that one was a little bit more harder to understand and learn. This is during my like high school years as well. So this is after I built it, built up a uh, knowledge of how colors work, design, uh, just like cartoon characters, like drawing, all that stuff. Just just building up that uh, knowledge and then applying that to like the design world in a more structural way. Once I uh, got those programs under my belts, I started just you know doing artwork for uh, myself still. And then it came, I came across the opportunity to do it for other people, and I just took that opportunity. I also had came across the opportunity to get my art into uh, open exhibits in, like, downtown Pontiac, which is uh, my home away from home. I'm from Detroit, and I moved to the Pontiac when I was uh, 16, and that's where I made most of my friends and most of my clientele there. But for the most part, uh, it came from my uncle. And the web, uh, the web design the web development, all the other extra stuff that literally came from me from just tinkering with computers learning how software works playing with Linux. Um, I used to play with Linux all the time because it's just one of those things that I thought was like super cool Uh, looked up articles started to you know do all the commands on the the computer so. I, uh, I was inadvertently teaching myself how to run a server, which was. Not a bad thing, but also a good thing. So now I know how to do that. Um, Once I got into the more web development side, I started to use tools that uh, were on the visual side of design. But I realized those tools with the visual side of design doesn't offer me the ability to do all the other extra stuff in the development side. Like, they'll give me the options, but it's not for what I exactly want to do or anything like that. So I ended up getting to the development uh, side of things um, while using Webflow because I used to, used to uh, export the code out and then do all my extra things and and put it to where it needs to be, all that jazz. But, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into design and development. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh,
0: that's great. And it to me, it, sound, it sounds like a lot of this, were, were you self-taught, like when you were digging in on, on Linux and... Uh, also when you're talking about maybe you have kind of, uh, color relationships, was, was that you kind of on your own or was your uncle helping you back from the Adobe component or, uh, were you going to school for design?
1: Uh, I wasn't going to school for design. I just pretty much learned all that stuff myself. Um, my uncle had guided me in the right direction to start selling for other people or creating for other people. But for the most part, uh, he was an inspiration to me and he uh, helped me get to get out there, get myself out there to do all this stuff for other people. But for the most part, I've been self-taught. Uh, I went to one college class. Uh, it was Baker College in Pontiac. And it I, I, I only lasted a semester because they were only teaching me stuff that I already knew because I went out and go sought out and just pretty much did all the stuff that I wanted to do. And then they were teaching me the same thing. And I was excelling in the class, but they weren't teaching me anything new. So I was just like, eh, I don't like that. And plus, I didn't like school anyway. So <laughs> I, li- I love education. I don't like school. I should, I should say that's the best way.
0: Right on. Thank you. So I want to dig in a little bit, too. You had mentioned uh, cartoon characters. So were there uh, who were some of your early inspirations? And then were you creating uh, some of your own characters?
1: Yeah. Um, my inspirations was uh, Looney Tunes, actually. Uh, I used to draw Bugs Bunny a lot. Uh, I wish I had all the artwork too yeah. to show you, but uh, I honestly don't know what happened to it. I think my mom got rid of it at one point on accident. Um, but essentially, I, Bugs Bunny, anime, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Looney Tunes, Tasmanian Devil, all that stuff was inspiration for me to create stuff. And then I created my own characters. I do actually have those and I have a show that I've been sitting on for a while that I've been wanting to create um, for a while called Dersoine. And it's like a uh, anime that I've been building for a, a long time that I dropped off for. Uh, I, I started in high school and I haven't like picked it up just since. But it's something that uh, is near to near to me because uh, the storyline, I don't want really to get away to storyline too yeah. much, but it's something that, uh, that uh, just pretty much. Against all odds, do one of these things, kind of thing, kind of do uh, do one of the things in the uh, in the storyline, kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's one of my um, favorite things to do. I don't draw uh, as much as I would like to now, but because I'm doing more graphic design, but I draw occasionally and I do abstract art. And the other inspiration for that is Roy Lichtenstein. He does pop art, yeah. And I love his style. Love his uh love love how he creates things. Just all around, just uh, his art style is great.
0: Thanks. So, uh, when, when you're talking about, uh, drawing and, uh, we'll, we'll put, we'll put this kind of art and design, uh, aside from when you're doing client work, right. But maybe when you're, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, for the, for the joy of it, right. Or, or, or taking time away, are you, are you drawing by like, is it, is it hand, uh, pen, paper, paint brushes, or is it, uh, are you using a computer to draw your characters?
1: A um, little bit of both. So, I I don't use paint, um, but I do use uh, like the regular mediums, pencil. My preferred medium is uh, mechanical pencil. Uh, excuse me, uh, Pixma Sakura pens, uh, Prismacolor color markers, things like that. From when I'm drawing on uh, dry media. Yeah. I also draw uh, on the computer. Uh, I have a two-in-one laptop that allows me to do this. So I'll use a program called Leonardo to. Kind of like sketch out ideas and i'll sketch out ideas for like uh abstract art kind of go from there what i found is that um my drawing is more related to the paper than the computer and that's fine i love that idea um but i also want to get into drawing on the computer more so that's why i do like symmetry art to kind of like get my art out there and kind of go from there
0: thank you so uh you know uh, when we're 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 talking to each other and we're we're in the Iowa City Cedar Rapids area, but you grew up in Detroit and Pontiac. What brought you to Iowa?
1: Um, I'll be honest. Originally a girl, but it ended <laughs> up not working out. <laughs> so um, exactly that. But when I moved down here, I realized there was a market for people to people like me to get out there, and living costs in Iowa is like very, really really low. So my overhead was just like practically nothing. So I decided, hey, let me go ahead and try to figure out the people in this area and see what goes and goes around. And uh, sure enough, uh, I made friends, I made clients, I made best friends. I've made so many like people happy with design work. It's it's been a it's been a blast living here.
0: And yeah, so uh, just I know you, you gave you know, some some interesting reasons, right? Like cost of living and having, but uh, just want to push on a, on that a little bit. What keeps you here?
1: Um, well, I have a daughter, so she keeps me here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just overall, making a difference in the community as a whole, uh, I feel like I can do that here. Uh, I don't necessarily just do work for people in Iowa. I do work for people all around, all around the world. And I have the ability to do that from a computer. And I have the ability to do it here because of my living, cost of living is low and I can do all of the things I need to do in order to uh, change the world. My overall arch, my overarching goal uh, is to paint the world with good design uh, in which I see fit. And uh, that is like a loaded thing, but more or less it's just me wanting to make sure that people who come to me are looking good, uh, design wise. And my design is inspiring the other people and my art is inspiring the other people.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, on a design side, um, uh, one of the things I struggle with, so I'm kind of curious from your perspective, but, yeah. um, when you're out and about in the world, is it, is it hard for you to, uh, <laughs> to unsee bad design i i feel like you know you, i see so many things that could be designed better and not not that it's my place to go design it or or really tell people but i feel like when you're exposed to good design it it's hard not to see bad design out in the world
1: yeah i have that problem <laughs> i'll be out and about with my fiance uh emily and yeah. she'll uh And she'll uh, she'll uh, point out something to me, like a logo or something like that she likes. And I'll look at it and I'm just like, um." (laughs) (laughs) it's not that she doesn't have bad taste, but uh, it's not it's more so that I see all of the details. And when I look at it, it's like, okay, they could have changed this. They could have made this line shorter. They could have got rid of that shape kind of thing. And then there's times she'll show me something. And this just recently happened not too long ago. Um, she she sold me a logo for a coffee company out in, I believe, Des Moines, and the coffee thing, the branding did not make sense at all whatsoever, and she showed it to me to see if I would agree with her because uh, her friend Tara had uh, originally saw it and was like, does this make any sense, and then she asked me and I was like yeah this don't make any sense. So yeah there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, talk
0: to me a little bit about uh, kind of getting your company started and getting your, your, your first uh, set of clients. What was that like?
1: So um, my first set of clients that I consider to be my absolute, like, working on a contract base and kind of like that. I've had many, many people who have just did artwork and they just paid for me, yeah. uh, paid me for it. But uh, like my first actual clients, I would uh, relate that to going back to Pontiac. Um, There was a thing going on called Canvas Pontiac. It's still going on now, but the idea behind it was to uh, paint the downtown with uh, beautiful artwork with the contest uh, geared towards making the downtown um, better and bringing people into the downtown to see art and things like that. Um, When I created the website, I created it in Wix, and it was the flash version of the website. And honestly, I, uh, it looked good at the time. Don't get me wrong. I can't right. like bring it up right now, but uh, um, it's it's Flash. So yeah. y- you can all you can automatically say that Flash is not necessarily the best. But um, but you you were an Adobe kid, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was an Adobe kid. Um, I'm not Adobe getting more I should say. Yeah, you. but
0: right. I mean, it make it makes sense that you would you would, that that would be a natural extent. I mean, because at at one point that was kind of peak web kind of technology, right?
1: oh yeah 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 it was uh it was nice to go through everything and then like get it to where it need to be and like uh moving everything a pixel uh making sure everything was pixel perfect all yeah. that stuff it's just one of those things where uh uh it's just it's just uh, it was there and i used it and it was nice and another thing that i don't recommend people do um cost of inflation was uh is high back then but like i did the website for like 300 dollars, and they thought that was a good price at the time and sure i was did. just building, yeah yeah <laughs> it, yeah it was it was it, like if i was uh back then um building websites and i knew how much a website actually cost i would have charged at least 700 starting off but i mean like I, I was so unsure myself at the time that i was like okay i'll charge 300 dollars so that way they're not at a loss when i start this so that way it doesn't look bad and then when i get it and i create it and then i have all this creative ideas said this website looks amazing So, okay yeah i probably should charge more so there's that um but that whole uh experience was uh amazing because i got to enter the contest and i actually won um my artwork was posted down as a poster art downtown in downtown pontiac um throughout every window or anything and uh from my friend robert who i got the project from uh and he went and walk, uh work with the city with his his uh response to it was he loved it but like he said that everybody either hated it or loved it and i'll uh put this piece of artwork up on my website at some point in time uh, i took it down for a while when i need to go back up because people actually do like that type of stuff but um going back to the topic uh, canvas Pontiac was the first one it was an amazing it was an amazing experience only because I get the i got to build something for someone and it got to see it saw it was seen on a major scale and it made me really really well known in the Pontiac area and it was just it was just a fun time it made me feel great it was just awesome
0: that's that's cool i um so yeah one of one of the things I find interesting about uh um, art and design too is where you know because sometimes i think about like functional design like you know from almost an accessibility standpoint right where like in a physical environment it's just it's easy for everyone to use and then when we move into more aesthetic things and in in, in a, a space of art is how I be- I believe good art uh is, is like a brand, right? It's not all things for all people. And I, I actually love when things like get people riled up. So when you said like, uh, they either loved it or they hated it. I, I love when that happens. I wish I knew why I love that, but to me, it's always a sign that there's something super interesting going on.
1: Yeah. I agree with you now. Um, past me would have been like, I don't know how I feel about that. And, uh, it just would have been like, yeah, but now I realize that, uh, uh, as I as I've like progressed in the years, I realized that art is one uh, thing that is made for people to think. It's uh, subjective. It's not uh, it's not the same in everyone's eyes, and that's perfectly fine. And that's one of those things where uh, it makes art just beautiful. Like some people may like it, some people may hate it, but all around, art is made to create emotion, and that's why people create it.
0: Yep. Yeah, I had heard a story about uh, when when the ballet rites of spring was first produced and it, it was so uh divisive that f- fist fights broke out among the audience like cuz some people oh thought gosh. this was like yeah this is a, a beautiful extension of the art and such a you know like a, a a strong statement and others are like this is sacrilege this isn't ballet and uh Again, I don't know if it's if it's true, but I you're right. I mean, that emotion and that strong emotion can go many different ways, right? And you think about personal experiences one has with art, where you know, it does it make you happy or sad or so happy, right? That you're you know, it it brings tears. It's it is. I I love that kind of subjective emotional component that that like kind of wakes people up, shakes them out of like a just a a normal day-to-day.
1: Yeah, and I, I love it too, as, uh, as well. And I got a question for you, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, and let me see if I can word this right. Um, do you believe that um, design is a, just a, uh, I would say like commercial design is just a more f- structural form of art? Uh,
0: I would say n- no. I th- I okay. think design and art are um we're reaching into uh many many of the tools we're grabbing are in the same toolkit, the toolbox. Um yeah. but the to me um that in I hate to sound like a consultant with it depends, but No, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, starting starting with design for me is design is intentionally serving a particular purpose. And I know you could apply that to art as well, Uh, but I do feel like art is to maybe provoke thought where a lot of design, too, is to make. I think of design as being intentional, making things easier for people to to do or to accomplish their goals and where that might change in context. Where it becomes blurry for me is something like service design and experience design. Yeah. Um like so like thinking about the the intentional acts that people have when they're putting an exhibit together. Um uh when they're like, you know, so like maybe at a museum or an art show, right? You're designing the show itself and you're showcasing the art, but you you are trying to uh you know provoke. Like uh the designer Alan Moore talks about having a poetic brief for your design. Yeah. Like what emotion do you want to convey and not like not in a manipulative way right I uh, but I do I think there's there's a difference um, and and it gets for me it gets a little more complicated on what type of design again is it graphic design is it service design is it industrial design but I do think of design uh, more you know smoothing things out (laughs) between companies and customers and I, I see art as, um, you know, it's, it is, uh, it has a different intent, uh, and, and different objectives, I guess.
1: I can, uh, I can relate to that. Um,
0: what are your thoughts on that?
1: So my thoughts is from a design as a whole standpoint. So, um, the way I see it is, uh, design came from art. And uh, design is still technically made for uh, other people to feel something or understand something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does provoke emotion. So I do believe that uh, they're closely related, but they do have different tangents into where, uh, where, where you go. So like say, for instance, um, you create a website that is creative. And it's supposed to invoke a thought when you get there, and it's supposed to be like a piece of art, but also serve a purpose for the person that has it. Uh, like, say, for instance, sell them on uh, their work or sell them on a portfolio or anything like that, that type of stuff. Uh, I can see that. but. I didn't never I never thought about like user experience design and then uh service design or anything like that I never thought about including those into that aspect I was just thinking for more of a uh, standpoint of graphic design so that kind of like opened up my whole thought process on how that works it just like I don't know it's just it's, it's making me think if that makes sense
0: yeah and I would say too I love I love your your point about um, Basically, kind of like design, design training uh, kind of comes from from the arts and arts training. Right. So, yeah, that they are they they might have evolved differently, uh, but they they kind of have a common ancestry and mm-hmm. uh, and then especially like graphic design, how closely that relates to um, the, what we might think more as art versus, you know, maybe some industrial design you know, getting a little bit further away or service design where you're trying to guide people in a very specific way. Um, but I do, you know, thinking about art and design t- for me is with both is I, I become interested in the rules, like what, right. And in general, like it feels like, uh, the purpose of art is to break the rules, but when you're stuck, the rules get you through, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if I'm stuck, okay, there are rules about complementary colors. There are, you know, like there's uh, uh, kind of a gestalt principles about how things might be laid out. If I'm, if I'm feeling stuck, I can go back to the rules. But uh, in design, too, it's like if you're going to break the rules, being intentional. And when I think about user experience, right, is uh, one of the things I was a big believer in uh, the notion of. Learnable and familiar patterns and as much as possible, when you're trying to make something easy to use, uh, go with familiar patterns uh, that already yeah. exist so that your user doesn't have to like burn cognitive load thinking about something. But if if the familiar doesn't work and you're being intentional about it because, you know, the business goals, you know, the customer goals and you're trying to maximize a good solution for both. Right, you might have to lean on the learnable, but then the learnable also has to be consistent, right? So when you're introducing deviation from a norm, it still it still has to provide uh, a, a learnable, coherent system for one to use. And so, even rules and principles might become clouded in there. But I, I see um, I see art having um, more leeway uh, with the rules. <laughs> yeah than design and i you know another thing for design is um there it may lend itself a little bit more to some objective critique where where art it's hard to have objective critique right because it can be so divisive even among you know art critics and art experts like you know like what you were talking about with your artwork or we're talking about right to spring but that's um sorry, I'm just rambling on because it does no, I it's revisit so this periodically too is like what what how are they different and how are they the same and what purposes are they serving? Uh but I do for me is for both is how do we do things that for lack of better terms help create more beauty, um more more pleasure right like relieving people of of burdens and is it is it the day-to-day burden where artwork can take me away you know like this transcendent power that it has uh can good design uh reduce my frustration right can i whether that's insurance paperwork can i make it easier for a customer to understand what's going on uh to you know a website where i'm trying to find out information can i make it easier so I guess in one way i would like how how does good design and how does art help relieve people of a burden and when it needs to how does it shake people up or wake people up right so that they're not on autopilot so you know we, we, but design i think is also right like I, I guess i'm gonna go back to it's it it's it might sound cliche but thinking about the podcast 99 invisible where a lot of times really good elegant design isn't noticed because it's so good or so elegant you're you're as a user you're able to stay in flow right but uh okay. really good artwork shakes you up and it wakes you up right it's not uh you know you do you go through a, a great art museum and uh you know like you're you're daydreaming and sleeping no you like so many things might grab you, uh, yet the, the design and flow of the museum might be such that, uh, you didn't have to think about where you're walking because it was easy and you were, and you were able to concentrate on, on the exhibits themselves.
1: That's, I don't know if that concept. makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's an interesting way of you put that, putting that, like, un, uh, understanding that uh from like a design standpoint and then kind of like that's that's one of those rare rare places where uh art and design can like coexist with each other in a way that they both complement each other and not um conflict each other which right. which is uh which is amazing on uh, um uh, i i agree uh it's it's amazing that people actually come up with these type of things where it just looks like it you you don't think about where yeah you're you like you were saying you don't think about where you're walking you just kind of like following along because that's how the, uh, the that's how it's designed and that's how it should be that's how uh that's how it uh, that's how it was made which is pretty right. legit
0: right. yeah and that's one of the things like when i'm working with design students or you know when i've led design teams too is kind of that you know a couple things is one is the notion of intentionality Uh, Mm -hmm. Being intentional about the decisions that you make, uh, the design choices that you make. Uh, And we've even even say like say no to something or not doing something is actually a choice. But just being aware of that. You know, then uh, another another component, too, that we think about is context. Right. And I think that's where we've seen a lot of design challenges across media. Um, You know, I think like early days of Web. Right. Even even a, a laptop or desktop itself, what we, you know the the analogy, right? It, it is that also, like from early Apple object oriented stuff, right? We had files, we had trash. We were mm-hmm. sticking, we were sticking files in folders. We were using a purely um, physical kind of metaphor of an office and a desk. and it it makes sense to make it easy to understand what's going on. But I think we also then, you start to see differences in, right? There, there are certain fonts that are easier to read when they're physical. There are certain fonts that are easier to read when they're digital. And yeah. I think sometimes we lose the notion of context. And that's where I get I get frustrated with the rules uh, because sometimes people are maybe, um, they're not intentional or it's lazy thinking um, when they leave out the context on which a user, is this, is this a physical environment? Is it... Is it digital? Is it a blended environment? Uh, and then you can get into really deep, interesting questions too, right? From brand, is what is the brand experience? Is this helping convey the brand promise? Is it brand right? Um, yeah, a lot of interesting ways that also like zooming in and zooming out on mm-hmm. on those elements. That, uh, but for me too, is is, um, and I'm not saying that e- either art or design one's more thoughtful. Than the other, but just that most of my time has been in the design space is really encouraging intentionality and context. And then um, the hard part for me, I'm, and I'm curious about your perspective, is sometimes working with clients that don't appreciate good design, right? They'll think about we need to pretty it up or we can pretty it up later or it just needs to do blank. When really design is how the whole thing works, the, how, how that whole system fits together, how does it hang together? Um, so those are some of the yeah. the things that that you know kind of guide my design work. But I'm kind of curious for, with with you too. Is um, do you do you run into some of those challenges where where clients might not appreciate really what good design is, and and may it's and maybe they don't have to right, but sometimes when when you're trying to make good design choices, uh, yet, yet they already have a solution in mind, and
1: yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think the way that so I used to have that problem when I was starting out, and the way that I solved it was um, creating a system around the uh, the problems at hand. So what I found is that most people don't exactly know what design is. Excuse me. So I try to, um, I guess the, the, the easiest way to explain it is tell them what design is in the easiest way they can understand. And I do that through the actions that I use, like the, the way that I create the website. So if, Let's say, for instance, a client doesn't necessarily know how to build a website, what a website is, or uh, how a website is, uh, is structured or anything like that. If that's the case, I wouldn't necessarily build a wireframe uh, or show them a wireframe. I would just more so show them a mock-up and explain to them, hey, this is what the website would look like uh, based on what your brand is uh facing and kind of go from there, or if someone that does appreciate design or knows what design is, or at least have an a idea of how it uh, works, what I'll do is I'll start out with the wireframe to show them, hey, this is how it's going to be structured. If you think this is a good way that the website should be structured, let's go ahead and move, on, move along with that. If not, let's go ahead and uh, rearrange and then get it where it needs to be in order to get where it needs to go. Then we take that wireframe to uh, mock up. Then we take that mock up to uh, code. Then we take that code to CMS, and then kind of go from there. And during, the whole, during that whole process, I'll tell them, "Hey, this is how this works, and this is how this works. This is what's going to happen." And then kind of like there, I, I, I try to give them, leave them with um, this is a this is a happy medium, like uh, like a, like a me- median, but yeah. as much information as they need for them to understand. Um, but before I did any of this stuff, uh, I used to have that problem all the time. Uh, I realized it was more so just because of the communication, like trying not to, I mean, trying to explain it in a way that they understand uh, versus the way that I don't understand is something that is learned, is not taught. It's just not, it's not easy to do any of that. So like trying to get them to understand that from that perspective is, was the hardest part for me. And then like, I just pretty much took the pieces. Okay. This person does this. Okay. This person does this. Okay. This person does this and just kind of like build to it and kind of go from there. But for the most part, yeah, I do have those problems. Uh, sometimes, uh, recently, uh, I've had it like maybe once or twice, but for the most part, not as much as what I did, uh, not as much as when I just started.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and I'm I'm curious too because you, you know some of that you're walking through, uh, maybe ways that you pro- prototype right and going from lower fidelity to higher fidelity, and because you're full stack, right? Uh, thinking about like the presentation layer down to kind of almost server and database layer. Mm-hmm. Um, in your work, how aware are you? Um, while you're doing, I, I, I'm not. I'm not stating this a, a great way. But sometimes, are you already like kind of aware of constraints and enablers, or are you know, are you first wearing like maybe a pure interaction flow hat, like this is what could happen, and then I'll I'll figure out the details, or because you know it so well, is it just almost intuitive that you're you're already pushing the boundaries on what can happen? Does that make sense?
1: Uh in a sense, yes. So, Cause,
0: so, and sorry, because, you know, sometimes you in, in lar- larger companies, right, you'll have, you might have design once you might have development and they're they're like different shops, right. And people are like, where we see problems is, oh, it's thrown over the fence to one group or the other, right. And, and they're sometimes they're missing a good translation. And you're serving as a translation and the expert on both. So I'm kind of curious just how, Uh, how much that is kind of maybe intuitive or explicit as you're you're going through your own design
1: um it's dang it now i lost now now i lost the question (laughs) could you explain well yeah
0: yeah so thinking about your work so in the context of you being uh you know kind of full stack and you kind of walk through sometimes even walking the client through how you might progress right from low fidelity into prototypes, what it could be, what it could do, and and ultimately getting to code, right? And showing the different layers and, and, and different levels of detail. I'm just, I'm kind of curious because you're wearing multiple hats. So how explicitly are you thinking about maybe uh, technical constraints while you're designing?
1: So I try not to think about it when I'm designing as much as possible, because of what I found is that it limits my creativity, um the only constraints that i include when i create the design um and i'll i'll turn out not include it if it's uh limit my creativity there as well um is the grid system so essentially a grid system is pretty much for people who don't know a grid system is how uh things are correlated on the website where it goes like left grid right grid uh this grid is like this midi um uh, columns long or this grid is like this many columns wide or anything like that so this is the way i think about it so if i know the website is going to be something that needs to be uh, consistently structured i'll use the grid if i know it's something that i need to be extremely creative with i'll uh i will try not to use the grid as much as possible and then just kind of move it from there um once i get down to a good mock-up what i normally do is i'll just pretty much think about in my head okay so this is a problem that i'm trying to solve what technology and what things i need to google because uh designers and uh, developers i'm pretty sure every developer uh out there googles what they're looking for unless they already know it, which is uh not a lot but i use google as a second brain at this point but uh i'll 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 go through the process and say okay i know how i want this to work i know how i want this to animate i know how i want this to go now how do i do it so i'll uh structure it in a way i'll break i'll break down that creative design into a uh structure that makes sense to me and would make sense to anybody else that would look at it um if if i if, if i decide the if someone decides to like take take on that project from another um Uh, for another, uh, like somebody decides to jump in and say, hey, I want to look at the code and kind of go from there. Yeah. Um, But I'll structure it in a way that makes sense. And I'll use uh, semantic naming, uh, semantic uh, HTML, semantic naming to let people know what it does, how it does it, all the other stuff. That part I learned through just development and uh, naming things where um, more or less what what it does how it does it and uh where is it going to be so like naming conventions all that other stuff there's a whole bunch right. of stuff about naming conventions out
0: yeah. there but <laughs> yep yeah but. right I mean there there's yeah so like kind of like the almost like a information kind of architecture and taxonomy view of the world can be yeah, that exactly. alone can take up a lot of a lot of like headspace.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Um I'm glad that uh I don't have to remember half of this stuff. Yeah, as if I did, I would not be able to design, but um, for the most part, I'll take it from there and then I'll uh, do all the animations and stuff and I'll figure out what tools do I know or that I can find that'll do what I need them to do at the given time. So once I get that uh, all sorted out, ready to go, I'll do my testing on mobile devices and kind of go from there. I'll scale it down. I intentionally don't design the mobile uh mobile out uh, the yeah. mobile uh, yeah. view for it um only because sometimes I feel like it also holds me back but most of the time I design it in a way that the mobile view would just pretty much just work um and I don't do that intentionally sometimes I do sometimes I don't but I'll also just kind of like compress it down in a way that makes sense and get rid of items that I don't need hide show items that I do or if I'm doing it from a creative uh, aspect, try and show as many items as I can as possible as the desktop. So that way it still looks good. So yeah, that's pretty much it. That's my process. I just try to um, keep it all uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll go in creative and then uh, structure it afterwards.
0: Thanks. And you know, and er- earlier you were talking about the grid, right. And, and how mm-hmm. um, as humans our brain is is wired to see so many kind of right angles right like straight lines or right angles so not violating the grid uh and for scanability things like that but um there was i i just saw this recently i had i know it's been around for a long time but i hadn't been familiar with it are you familiar with the optical illusion called the ames window
1: Um, I am not a a library,
0: a A M E S. So it was somebody's name, but it, what's interesting is it's, uh, it looks like a, uh, like a normal window frame and, and in two dimensions. So imagine like almost like a, you know, like a, a two by three window frame. Right. And, um, but when it's put on something, but you make it actually as a trapezoid, so you're playing with kind of depth perception. And when it is rotating, it looks like it's oscillating rather than actually going 360. And it, it, it almost broke my brain just watching it. And you know what? I'll post, I'll post something uh, for listeners in, the, in it. But it was one, one of the longer form things. So I fell down this kind of Ames Window rabbit hole. But our brain also wants to see things in grids. And mm-hmm. because because of for for generations, most of the, the built environment we live in, right, is kind of a rectangular or square view of the world, right? The the right angles of doors that we go through, or uh, the general the general design of buildings, and so our brain where it's filling in these gaps of information, and then it almost yeah. breaks when when something's violating that, and even though you know it's a trapezoid. Right, your your brain is still not able to to watch what's going on. So, when you have a chance, and I'll 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 send it to you and I'll post it again for this. But the the Ames the Ames window and um, yeah, because people will uh, put like a stick through it, or or uh, one video I saw a guy made one that it was big enough that he could put his body through like one of the panes, so to speak and it looked like he was flipping and and yet the um like he was still going in a circle it looked like he was going through it because it still looked like the window itself was oscillating rather than rotating 360 and so yeah. I'm, I'm curious about too right like if we could talk to to people that haven't been raised in like a built environment like ours you know like like do do those hold up? But it, it's interesting over time, just what our our brains take for granted, and how how much uh, information our brains just fill in
1: for us. Uh, I actually, I'm with you there. I actually did look it up. That's probably what yeah. you, what you heard in the background.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So this is mind blowing, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I honestly like I didn't even like think about it until now. That that looks. Like, wow! Like the guy was inside of it, and then like, yes, yeah. It's just wow! Like it's bro. it's
0: nonsensical, right? But it it you know, and you know abstractly what's going on, right? And like, if somebody said to you, "Okay, yeah, it's a trapezoid," and this guy's through, and it's three, yep, and then you're looking at it, and you're like, "Nope, that's oscillating," nope. and that that guy is somehow going through the window.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's just like uh, it, that that whole transition part between the middle and there, I'm like huh? My brain does not compute. But yeah, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, you're right. I agree with you. We do take it for granted um, as far as grid goes. And that brings me into another thing too. Uh, I noticed you talked about like fonts and how they appear differently versus how they appear um, on paper than digital. One of the things that um, most people don't understand um, is that the human eye when you're doing a dark background versus a light background, the fonts have to be a little bit thicker in order for you to understand and read it in the way it needs to be. And most people don't know that, but it's one of those things where I I, I work in dark mode all the time. So uh, it's something that I've uh, came across like all the time Uh, and putting those fonts in a way that uh, works with dark mode and does all the things that it needs to do. It's one of those things that, uh, you would think is what it, you wouldn't think it make, makes that much of a difference but that whole font size the font thickness the font everything uh uh-huh, everything like you got to choose a font that goes well with dark and light mode if you're designing for both types of websites you got to uh, make a make a whole thing about the uh what's the word i'm looking for uh you got to make a whole like uh switch in order for it to go. And then you have to apply the classes if you're a developer into each one of those things. And then you got to make sure the font is where it needs to be. It's just like one of those things uh, that you don't think is a big deal, but it is a big deal. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why dark mode took so long to kind of like traverse the internet and uh, electronics and stuff like that too. So
0: yeah, no, that's awesome from a a contextual standpoint. And then too, when you were talking about brand, right, is like even all then, uh, so one right, we're we're assuming that that we want the font to be readable, right? That it, it's not more of like a deception game or like a fun gaming website where you're you're like looking for hidden words or something. But even even with that, right, then it's like, is our brand uh, fun and playful? Is it clean and sterile? Right? Even like like the font selection that goes on beyond one. Here are all the things we have to consider to make sure it even renders. Uh, so that people can read it. But then also, you know, another layer is in how does it convey a personality? Uh, yeah. And I, I i love just I love looking at different font. That's how nerdy I am. I love just kind of like looking and looking at the patterns in in a font as well.
1: Yeah, I'm w- I'm with you there. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite things. Uh, I love a good font. It's just something <laughs> that it's just. Like it's something about the way the curves fit, especially geometric fonts. Yeah. Um, uh, those, those are my favorite, but uh if you can get a really good sans serif in front of me, uh it's it, and it looks really, really good. I just found one recently too. Uh, I'll tell you about it. Um it's called a uh, Chronicle Display. Yeah. And it's um it looks really, really good. It's a display font but it looks really, really good when you have it like the largest font on the screen, as like a header, and it just all around. It just looks amazing like shrinking it down it doesn't look as good but like, uh, as, as a, as a big font, and you look directly at it and you see all of the quirks. Yeah. Um, and how everything just kind of like ties the font together, along with the text below it, it just looks amazing. I'm, I'm a font nerd too. <laughs> I
0: I remember a, uh, a like a, a, a meme from years ago that it was it was somebody that that said they were gonna get a uh, they were gonna get the word Helvetica tattooed on their arm in Arial. <laughs> and the first person to point it out would be the they would know that's the person that they would want to marry.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. That's awesome. That's that, I, I like that idea. I like that. That's if I don't have any tattoos, but that would literally <laughs> be a tattoo I would. <laughs> so,
0: Devin, um a couple things too I'd like to cover with guests is one yeah. is the notion of uh uh, it is like when one like from a creative perspective, when one is stuck versus unstuck, if you ever find yourself stuck or wrestling with a problem or design decision, what are what are some of your techniques for getting unstuck?
1: Um, the biggest one is understanding how being, quote unquote, stuck works. And the the way that I see it is I'm not necessarily stuck. I just need to take a break. I need to go experience life. I need to go uh, understand something else to understand this. So that's the way I handle uh, getting unstuck, and I do that on a daily basis so I don't get "quote unquote" stuck. Yeah. So it's it's just like having that having the thought process of creativity is all around you. Um, creativity is uh, always happening. Creativity is something that is never going to go away. So, all you really need to do is just experience creativity to get creativity. So, when you te- when you come up with that mindset, you become, in my in my opinion, less stuck or not stuck at all because you're thinking in a uh, creative mindset currently uh, all all the time versus thinking that creative is a uh, thing that you could turn on and off. Um, really, it's just something that just happens all the time. And don't get me wrong, creativity is a thing that you can turn on and off. It's just a matter of uh, when you do it. And when you when you don't want to do it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, I've experienced like just turning like just understanding um, how how understanding that whole mindset and just understanding that creativity is around you. And uh, even you, you're, you're, you're creating creativity as you be here, uh, just by your thoughts and kind of like yeah. going from there. It just makes it easier to get unstuck because if you if you think that you're constantly thinking creativity, it tricks your mind that saying that you don't you're not really stuck at all. It's a dangerous thing too, because you could uh you could also be like, okay, I don't want to stop working if you're a graphic designer too. So that's that's the downside of it. But yeah, for the most but, part, that's what I do.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I had a manager early in my career talking about creativity. That he had said that uh, creativity is a lot like reverse on a car: is you don't need it all the time, but when you need it, you really, really need it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good analogy, right there.
0: That's awesome, dude. Um, so also. Uh, another thing I like to cover with or yeah, before actually before I go on to the next one, I was just thinking when you were talking about then experiencing other creative things. Do you mind sharing where you might find inspiration or when you are kind of priming your creative pump like as, when you're leaving? You're taking a break from some work and, and uh, I'm just curious, where do you find inspiration or what are some of the creative things you like to, uh, to kind of feed your brain with?
1: Um, so there's a few. So what I'll do is I'll just browse, uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll go on YouTube and just watch whatever. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that I really love doing. I don't watch TV. And the reason why I don't watch TV is because I get really into the shows, but <laughs> and same with YouTube. I don't watch it often, but when I do, I get really into it. Uh, the things that I like to watch is like, um, tech review videos, um, mainly uh mkbhd because he is a uh, mark oh, if you don't know who he is is marquise brownlee okay. um and uh, marcus uh, marquis I, I always pronounce his name wrong. i can't remember how exactly that goes but he's one of those guys that uh is really uh techie but also really cool the way he presents the tech and the way he designs his office and the studio and everything it looks really creative so that's what all that. so i look at that i'm thinking dude that whole like combination of this color with this thing and this, that and this and all the other stuff, everything around those videos are like super creative. But um, another thing I'll do is I'll just walk around um, in the downtown district area district. Yeah. Uh, I always notice something new when I walk down there Um, and more specifically uh, downtown Nubo I'll walk down there and I always notice something new and it just looks, it, it, it just like peaks my, um, interest every once in a while. And it's really, really nice. And the other thing I'll do is I just have conversations like these, Um, talk with other people, get their perspective on other things and kind of just go from there. Uh, Experiencing nature is another one as well. Uh, I recommend everybody experience nature at least once a month, at least once a month. Um, Just uh, going out and then just going into the uh, forest and just understand, just looking at stuff. And then just like soaking it all in, just helps you like calm your mind. And yeah, it's just one of those things that just out there. I try to do it like at least once a month, but um, ideally, I would like to do like three, three times a month. But you know, work, life, right, all the other stuff. (laughs) Oh, that's uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all. I that's really all I do. It's just uh, go experience new things. Uh, Sometimes if I can, I'll go and travel. But for the most part just go experience, uh, things that are around me. I'm a, I'm a homebody, so I don't get out much. So.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and no one last thing I like to cover with guests is, uh, a notion of advice and it could be, you know, is there good advice you received from, from a mentor? Like I'm thinking like, uh, you're, you're possibly, you know, like the way your uncle pointed you in an Adobe direction early in your journey. Uh, or is there advice you know, you didn't get right? Because uh, Austin Kleon, in his book "Steal Like an Artist," says that when we give advice, we're just talking to our younger self. But is there good <laughs> advice you received, or advice you wish you would have received that you would share with other uh, creatives or entrepreneurs?
1: Um, my advice is that the tool does not make the designer. Um, I don't use uh, I, I don't use Adobe anymore. And I always thought that Adobe was the best stuff
0: and it made
1: you who you like, if you had Adobe, you'd make you a great designer. The tools are amazing doing all the things, but it really all just comes down to uh, the limit of your creativity in your mind and your ability to want to create that, create, create what's in your mind Um, uh, and learning uh, along the process of uh, what, how you want to create that. Uh, But for the most part, just the tools do not make the designer. Um, It really just boils down to, like I said, your your creative mindset and your willingness to get it done.
0: Awesome. Yeah, because I know some uh, some of my design friends, uh, anytime one of us would start complaining about a tool or technology, Mm -hmm. we'd kind of remind ourselves a phrase that we would use is uh, a good craft person never blames their tools. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I like I like your frame of uh you know the tool doesn't make the designer and yet uh we, we we see so often, right, these these discussions about what's the best tool, right, uh for different parts of design. So I love I love your advice there. Yeah, no problem. Devin, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's always great to talk to you. I'm, I'm glad we were able to record this conversation. So thanks so much for, for joining me on the podcast.
1: Yeah, no problem. Um, I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you inviting me on the podcast as well. And uh, I learned a few things. So thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> no problem. Yeah, glad to have the conversation.